What is up, everybody? It is Wood sitting alongside Keith. Wood, how's your shark week going? It's okay. Okay? Yeah, it's all right. It's shark, shark week. week. So what you saying? stood up last week. We not stood up. There was a miscommunication last week on the mask off. That is true. Yep. Yep. Uh, and, and through no fault of their own, really. No, I mean, kind uh-huh. of, but not really. But we have a mask off Things this happen. week. Yeah. This isn't the one that was supposed to come in last week. No. This one's no. reliable. Yep. This man came in here 45 minutes early, dressed, <laughs> dressed like he's going to church or the prom. You look yeah. good. Yeah. Uh, and just professional as can be. Yeah, I'm a little embarrassed that I'm wearing a tank top. Are you really? Yeah, kind of. He should be. Yeah. What, we got a mask off. Tell them what a mask off is. Yeah, we do, guys. Uh, So for those of you that are new to this um, on our mask off days, which is... Uh, happens often. Uh, mask off is when we bring in somebody different than us. They do something different. Always do it much better than we do. Um, and we bring them into the woodshed here, chat with them, and get to know who they are and uh, pull that mask off, essentially. So without further ado, ado uh, I almost messed up my only French word. Um, uh, to our mask off guests, uh, who are you? What's your name? And uh, what is it you're about? So my name is Nate Morris. And... You know, I I was a professional barber to bank robber, and now I'm on the other side of bank robbery. And, you know, if I can tell my story and, and help people from going down that road that I went down, um, you know, that's that's what I'm here about now, so helping you, people. You're so, trying to help people not get free money? Well, um, the wrong way, yeah. The wrong way, okay. All you right. Bet. All right, hold, hold on one sec. This was a part on my bro- my fault. I uh, accidentally uh, muted your intro, so to our mask off guest. Will you tell us again your name? <laughs> this is my fault. Hey, things happen. Sometimes I push wrong buttons, and I push the mute on me, too, so for if it makes you feel any better. Uh, can you just reintroduce yourself? You bet. So my name is Nate Morris, and I'm from Ogden, Utah. Um... I went from uh, being a professional barber and enjoying that to a life of drug addiction, and which led to bank robbery, and um, through some chain of events that kept me from going to prison. You know, I'm, I'm here today, and I can share my story and hopefully help some people. Well, you look good, and we hope you do help some people. That's awesome, man. I'm mask off guests, all right? We like to warm them up, right? So normally I'd say this is you, you know, I don't know, prepping out a, a, a scheme or something, but we're going to go with uh, getting ready to uh, put on those nice shoes you got, all right? So you're polishing <laughs> them up, right? You're yeah. matching the socks to the belt to the shirt, right? So these are some prep questions for you. Would you rather be an athlete, actor, or singer? Athlete. All day, yeah. All day. Mm -hmm. That's the shortest window, though. That's the shortest window of doing that profession. 
You good with that? That glory? Because it's yeah. But doesn't it also have the potential to make the most in that short amount of window? All right, so you think, uh, oh, in that short amount of window. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. All, right, all right. I was going to drop, I always like to drop Paul McCartney on people's forehead because <laughs> he's, got, he's got to own, like, a planet somewhere out there in the atmosphere, yeah, that's right? That's true. You know, I, I would always go, I think I would go singer, even though I know I asked you the question, but I got to make it about me because, you know, I'm mm. a Scorpio. And I, I would go singer, I mean, too. You'd go singer. Yep. Because you can yeah. sing a song from 30 years ago and people still love it, you know? Yeah. You, oh, you, yeah. You can't go out there and do a performance. They're always remaking. Like, yeah. They always remaking. Okay, next question. What toothpaste do you use? Crest. Yeah, you said that absolute. Yeah. Rings with Crest? Oh, yeah. Cavity creeps and all that, yeah. right? Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. How many push-ups can you do in a row? Oh, more <laughs> now than I have my whole life. So uh, wow. probably, I don't know, probably 75. Huh? 75 straight. Yeah, yeah nice. So. Woo. I'm not trying to brag. Yeah. I, could, I could probably do seven. He said 75. I know. I said oh, seven. You said seven. Okay. Uh-huh. Any, any phobias? <laughs> uh, I'm, yeah, I mean, I'm an arachnophobe. For sure. Spiders? Yeah. I don't understand. How are you scared of spiders? They're so cool, man. You know, just, they are cool, but having a spider (laughs) crawl on me, (laughs) I'd I'd freak freak out every time. You ever get that feeling like you fell asleep and a spider crawled in your ear, like your ear itches all day? No. You just can't scratch it. You've never had that? I don't equate it to that. I always think it in an earwig. Yeah, they do. Both, they do crawl into your eardrum and eat your brain. Those you know thing, that. Yeah, yeah. I watched it on uh, Star Trek once. It's terrible. Yeah, it happens. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, last question here: Which era do you wish you were born in? Oh man, I'd say, I'd say like the twenties and thirties would be cool. Why? Ah, just you know that was, you know, pre all this technology and um, I don't. I just, I just like the. The styles and mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I just think it'd be cool. All right. Yeah. Something, uh, di- something different from from you know what we have today. So simpler time. Simpler time. Yeah. Weren't barbershops um, a lot more prevalent then as well? I would imagine. Uh, yeah. I mean, I yeah. It seems like uh, yeah. It seems like they were. We kind of went through a phase where. After that, you know, a lot of guys, I think, went to salons, and now we're kind mm-hmm. of moving back into barbershops. It's yeah. become a popular thing again. Huh. But, uh, yeah. Plus, with the way you dress, I could see that. People don't take yep. stock in their fashion anymore. I mean, seriously, you walked in, I was like, damn, this guy dresses nice, man. You know, you, you probably got, what, a $130 shirt on, some uh, high-end jeans, and some nice shoes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> That's cool, man. Good on yeah. you. Do you still use the cleaners? Because I notice cleaners are closing down all over all over the place because nobody gets their clothes dry Dry clean clean. anymore because they just wear shit. Uh -uh, You know, shout out to the cleaners. Everybody needs to start going to the cleaners because they are closing down. You notice it too. Yeah. Yeah. I use the cleaners and heaven forbid they all shut down. So get out there and pay for the dry cleaning. I like it. Yeah. Mm. How do you think George Jefferson moved on up, right? (laughs) Right? (laughs) (laughs) And our, Our guest always introduces our snaggles. So our snaggles today... Pacifico. That's it? That's all you got? How do you say that word? How do you want me to pronounce it? No, this. Clara. Clara? Clara. Who? Clara. And what does that say? What does that say? Uh, La la cerveza del Pacifico. No, no, no. What does that say in English? What? Clara? No, God damn it. Beer of the Pacific. (laughs) All right. Oh, you're terrible. No. I'm going to drink, and this is uh, courtesy of Carlos um, Chelada. Mango y Chile. 
There, I said it for you. Right. Con los sabores refrescantes de mango y chile. It's Modelo with mango and chili. This is delicious. It's by happy. The way. Oh, yeah. It's like, because uh, in Mexico, we like to put chili on all of our fruit, mm -hmm. and it tastes like um, mango with chili on it, and it's delicious. Did you catch the we in an hour mm -hmm. from this blonde-haired, blue-eyed, <laughs> white dude? Did you catch that over there, Nate? Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> and as always, our Snaggles is brought to you by... Ah, uh, yes, guys. They are brought to you by, first and foremost, uh, Tiger Claw Tattoos. Over there in Mill Creek, their number is 801-410-4245. Nate, you got any tattoos? I don't know. Me neither. You, you ever wanted to get one? Uh, there was a time when I did. Yeah? yeah. You passed that now? Well, yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. I am. I, I think uh, tattoos have gotten better. Some of the artwork is, is more intriguing now, I think, that... I, I won't get one, though. I'm telling you right now, Shay over Tiger Claw mm. Tattoo, 3D tattoos, tattoos that glow in the dark, tattoos that tie your shoes for you. I mean, he's got it all, man. <laughs> yeah. These guys are amazing, all of them. It mm -hmm. is, and they are. Uh, Tiger Claw Tattoo, guys, you know, you've heard about them plenty. Uh, you know where they're at now. You know their number. Call them up. Get yourself an appointment. Get over there. Get yourself uh, inked up by them. Um, next up, we have uh, MVP Jersey Framing. It, the guy's seamless, man. You he look is, at his yeah. artwork. Uh -huh. It looks mm -hmm. like he just... Cut a one piece of wood and, and just, you know, morphed it in. There's no seams. That, right. I, no, I can't even beautiful. describe it. Uh -uh. No. It, um, in fact, I'm going to be, uh, I have a jersey that's going to be going to him here quite soon. And uh, I'm excited. Uh-huh. I'm excited. It's not mine, you know. It's not my uh, jersey, of course, because okay. my playing days ended and I threw those away. But okay. it's someone else's close to me, and we can get that framed up. Okay. And I'm excited for it, and when we get that back, we'll show you. Uh, but if you want to see what his products are like and what it's all about, Go to MVPJerseyFraming.com, guys. They're in the description below. You can just click that little link. Simple. It'll take you over there. Uh, last but definitely um, not least, we have Native Roots Designs. Um, if you go over to um, Instagram.com backslash Native Roots Design Code. That's a lot of work. It is. But uh, what I should do is start linking his Etsy to us. That'd probably be easier because okay. that where, that's where you order from and that's where it shows all like how he does the work. Yeah, it's really cool. The, and he'll etch in, like, the uh, Keith's got a coaster there. Yes. That was uh, given to us by Native Roots Designs. Um, it's a beautiful coaster. Uh, he can etch into wood. I think he can uh, put into metal a little bit, probably, with plastics, uh, leathers, definitely. Go check out Native Roots Design Co., guys. Um, also linked in the description, so you're going to have to click that link and uh, check it out what it's all about. That's all I got. That's it. That's all I got. All right, Nate. Let, let, let's get to you, brother. So you sat in. You said that um, you used to cut hair. Did you go to school for that? Yeah, I did. I, I, uh, you know, in high school, how you can drop your electives and go to um, a community college and pick okay. up a trade. Okay, Nate, Nate, can I stop you right there? Yeah. I needed every <laughs> fucking credit possible. I needed your credits to get out that bitch, okay? So, no, I wasn't dropping electives, okay? I didn't, so, no, I don't know. <laughs> So you went to community college and, and they taught you how to cut hair? Yeah, I started when I was a junior in high school and it was cosmetology back then. And so I had to learn how to, you know, do women's hair and all yes. that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you were around all the honeys, right? Because yeah, a lot of great. guys wasn't doing that. Yeah, it was great. So you had yeah. all those, what, if you were in high school, you're 17, 18. And you got all the 20, 21-year-old jiggling breasts in there, right? Yeah. And you're like, yes. Yeah, I say either you want to go, go to cosmetology school or be a cheerleader as a guy. That's where it's at. <laughs> <laughs> so you got your license there? So I got my license there. Um, and, uh, you know, I knew that barbering was more comfortable. I wanted to, to 
be in a barber shop and chop it up with the guys and sports and things like that. And mm-hmm. so I was kind of the plan was to, to barber and, and pay for college that way. And I just fell in love with it. And something that, um, my brother and I, we worked up on base up at Hill Air Force Base in the BX barbering. And, and then we opened up a barber shop outside the base and that just was comfortable and, and we did that for 13 years. So if you're outside the base, you're cutting black people hair. Yeah. How'd you learn how to do that? Uh, just, you know, we just had a couple of guinea pigs when we were up on base. Guys that would come in and they're like, man, we need a haircut. And, and we, you know, my brother and I, we were just like, well, shit, you know, it's, I've never cut your type of hair, but uh-huh. I'll give it a go. And, yeah. And so. And you picked just, up the scissors and, and just, you're like, wait a minute, this ain't working. Yeah. Huh? You know, and, <laughs> and, you know, I, barbering just with the art of barbering and um the shortcuts the fades the lineups and all that we mm-hmm. took to it pretty quick um it was that that precision type of cutting was was fun it was artistic we got mm-hmm. good at it mm-hmm. i'd say half of our clientele were black people yeah and um and it was it was cool um you know being able to to get good at that type of hair and then the nice thing about fades and lineups is people want that done once a week yes so we were a busy ass barbershop uh-huh. because of that so <laughs> which, can't hate you know, that though no and and so um you know if, if we're gonna open a barbershop and make money doing it it helped to stay busy and and we had a good time doing it so wouldn't i disgust you with our bald heads huh I mean, <laughs> we have decent shaped bald heads though i mean if you look yeah. at it, our craniums aren't weird are they um, oh yours is. <laughs> He's got a rounder head. You got kind of a fucked up head. Uh, from, all the, yes. from all the abuses yes. taken yeah. over the years, yeah. man. You got that head uh, that kind of goes to a point. Oh, you know, you man. Like that. Yeah, well, I thought I was covering it with this, man. When mm. I asked you, I tried to move that, but I sat it right in that little saddleback camel hump. Huh? It's all right. Mm. I know it's true, man. Yeah. All right, so you, you cut hair for 13 years, and, and then where did your life take you? <clears throat> No, and no. Let's let's go back. You cut you cut hair. Um, so we opened up our uh, Morris Edge Barbershop in in 2005. Okay. And we did that until about 2018. I want to put in there uh, working with my brother. You know, we were best friends, siblings. Uh, we had our little sister that came on a couple years later. She worked with us, little family barbershop, um, and and that was cool. It, um, it's not always easy owning a business and working with family and things mm-hmm. like that. Um, but looking back on it, man, we had a lot of really good times. Yeah. We did that up until um, 2018. Um, and um, I had a, a drug addiction that got out of control. Mm-hmm. Um, I broke my back skiing, um, mm. major back surgery. Um, Pain meds um, followed with that. Okay. And so, you know, my addiction, you know, my addiction started with, you know, drinking and smoking weed and things like that that progressed over the course of a decade. And then once once uh, I started taking pain meds and shit just took over. Um, and, and I take full accountability for all of sure, that, right? Sure. Um, I'm not going to blame anything that I did on the drugs. And, you know, I was addicted to easy. Pop a pill, life seemed easier, right? And so, and, and it progressed, you know, and once, once I got into those hard drugs, um, man, I just made some poor decisions. Hard drugs, like what? Uh, pills led to, uh, heroin, um, 
you know, drinking as much as I did. I at age thirty four I tried cocaine for the first time. Shit was fucking amazing, right? I, no, 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 no. I don't know. <laughs> I'm gonna take your word for it. I'll take you and Richard Pryor's word for uh, it. And uh, <laughs> and I'm, you know, I'll just be real. You know, um, drugs made me feel invincible. And, okay. And um, and so, you know, the people that dabble in drugs, you know, for me to do try cocaine for the first time at age 34 um, was probably a, a unique um, to some people. But mm-hmm. um, but once I tried that, I remember watching uh, Flight. With Denzel, Denzel Washington, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, and um, I remember, you, you know, you have these moments where you, you know you watch a movie and it, it triggers like an interest, or watching Flight um, kind of, you know, it triggered an interest in. Well, shit, you mean I can wake up and not have a hangover? I can do a line of coke, and and it wasn't long after that that I was hanging out with some people that had some coke, and I was like, all right, let's try it. Sure enough, cocaine, like hangover, fucking cure. Mm-hmm. It was like I could wake up, do a line of coke, no hangover, go to work, open up the barbershop, and everything was good. And before I knew it, I had I had a, a major cocaine addiction. You know, I was three hundred dollars a day on on cocaine, oh, and that's wow. you know, that that progressed real fast. And yeah. and and yeah. Uh, so between you know the drinking at night and and the cocaine and um, my life from age thirty four to you know, to 37 when, when I really started to get into, into some trouble, it unraveled really fast. Let, let me ask you, yeah. how, how were you when you took your first drink? Um, you know, I'm 14, 13, okay. 14 years and old. did you continue to drink from 14 on? That was just You know, something- uh, in, in high school, we would go up camping and, and, and party and things like that, but it was never anything too out of control. It was a weekend thing, and I, I started smoking pot and things like that. I did what most people do in high school and uh but i um i remember so junior in high school i remember thinking you know as i was smoking bud and and drinking and hanging out with that crowd i remember thinking uh you know i really want to get back into sports i had stopped playing football played little league football and all those things and 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 once i got into that partying crowd i I stopped uh doing those those things that i knew that that i should the healthier hobbies right Mm -hmm. And so I decided to, I always had a good group of friends as well. You know, I had, I had the partiers that I'd go hang out with on the weekends. And then I'd have, um, you know, close childhood friends that, you know, would, would tell me, Nate, you know, you're screwing up this and that. Come hang out with us. And right. I made a choice to, to going into my senior year that I was going to play football and I was going to turn it around and started hanging out with the right people. And that made all the difference in the world, okay. just hanging out with the right people. And I played football my senior year. Emma White was our, our star football player. Okay. You know what I mean? We, All we had to do was block for that dude. I mean, he was so good, right? <laughs> <clears throat> Give Emma the ball. We blocked, and we, we won every game. Okay. And then um, that sent me on a, a, a good trajectory. I, I graduated high school. I I went and served an LDS mission in Romania. Really? Uh-huh. Say, say hello in Romania. Bună ziua. I mean Romania. Bună ziua? Bună ziua. Does it snow over there? Yeah. Yeah, it, yeah, it does. <laughs> it looks it does. gray all the time, <laughs> yeah. right? It, looks... <laughs> it does. They got four seasons like we do. Yeah. So uh, Romanian is, uh, I remember getting my mission call and I'm thinking, this is how naive I was, right? I, I remember thinking, so am I going to speak Russian? And it says, in the mission call, it says, no, you're going to learn Romanian. I'm like, oh, cool, they got their own language. And, 
And uh, so Romanian's closest to the Italian language. It's one of the five Romance languages. And um, But, yeah, so I served a mission in Romania. Uh, great perspective on life. You know, I, I was raised LDS, but my parents didn't put a whole lot of I was just going to ask you that. Did they make you go or that was your own choice? Yeah, they, they didn't put a whole lot of pressure on me. Okay. I, I think if I would have had more pressure, I I I I, uh, I tend to be rebellious. I don't know if I would have went if if I would have had the pressure that you see some people have here okay. in Utah. And, and so my brother served a mission in Italy that, that had a big influence on me. I liked the person that he was when he came home. And Is this the same brother you opened a business with? Yeah. So mm-hmm. how many are in your family? So there's five of us. <clears throat> um, I have uh, Melanie that's four years older. Derek is two years older. I've got three sisters, one brother. And then I got two younger sisters. Okay. Bree is eight years younger, and Katie is uh, thirteen years okay. younger. So, Derek, it's a wide and I, span. Yeah, it is, and uh, and we're all real close. Uh, um, and you know, Derek serving in Italy, came home, and and that that um, influenced me to to make that choice. And and uh, yeah, it was cool. You know, going. I I encourage every young adult to to leave america whether it's going on a like a humanitarian um trip and and getting out of america and seeing what's out there and you just get perspective on what kind of opportunity we really do have here in america you know i think it's easy to to lose sight of that when you're in your mom and dad's basement playing (laughs) video games all the time yeah yeah yeah. bitching about yeah Yeah. running out of fucking cheetos right mom's Mm -hmm. mom's gonna kick me out because i'm i'm gaming too long yeah that's great. <laughs> so, were you were you sober on your mission? Yeah. Okay. Yep. So you drank when you were fourteen. You kind of hit and miss, hit and miss, and then you got good and you played football. You went on a mission. You so I'm going to go at least three years there that you were no alcohol, no anything. Yeah. Right. You then, know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then you came home, and what happened? You know, I came home. I I uh, met a girl at hair school. Okay. Um, I met. I knew Julie. you'd pull somebody out. Of yeah. It. I knew you would. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's hard not to, right? Yeah. And you know. Uh, you know, life was was looking good. I I got my my license and was working up on base, and we got married and um, got married in the temple. That whole scenario went out to San Diego and got married in the San Diego temple, and and life was good. I didn't really start uh, dabbling again. Um, I got married at 23, so I'd say 25. I I um, I smoked pot. Um, what, and what happened? Did a little drinking. Tell me, tell me what that decision is like. Because if you, I assume if you're married in a temple, she's you know religious as well, yeah. right, or spiritual, yeah. whatever. So, what crowd are you around? What happens in that that two year span? You know, where where at 25 you're gonna say, all right, I want to get high or I want to drink. What what happened there? So, um, so hanging out, going up camping with friends and and. You know, I've always been into the outdoor scene, you know, um, going backpacking and mountain biking and those kind of things. And so just hanging out with people that, uh, that you know, that would, you know, around the campfire, have a drink and okay. smoke a little bud and, uh-huh. and, and just being around that long enough. You know, I eventually just, you know, I've always had that wild side to me. Okay. I, you know, I've, I've, I, I enjoyed it. I knew that she didn't approve of it. Okay. And so. Would um, she see you do it? No, no. Okay. Matter of fact, uh so that's when the more than just like a drug addiction and 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 these these addictive habits i i became sneaky i became manipulative um i i knew that i had to keep it from her i would tell myself the story that 
um, whatever I had to tell myself to feel better about keeping it from her, I did. You know, I knew that she had never had a drink. I knew that she had never smoked. And so I I wanted to protect her from that. I didn't want to influence her. Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't want to. And but nor did I think that um, that it would be something that that would progress. You know, I, I figured I could go up on, you know, one weekend in the month and get high, come home and put that in the past and, and grow out of it or whatever. And, and boy, was I wrong. It, it progressively got worse. And she would go on these camping trips with you? No, no, no. So she, this is just you and the fellas? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so what changed when you were doing it younger? How'd you get how would you get hooked? Do you understand what I'm saying? You did it once before, and I can understand your mindset. I did it from 14 to 17. I stopped then. I can stop anytime mm-hmm. I want. But for some reason, this time, you slipped off. What, what do you think changed? Um, I, you know, I think the biggest thing, um, so I, during that time, I was, uh, I was getting into real estate. Um, I was buying homes and renting out properties, and things were going really well. Really well. And then in 2008, when the market crumbled, mm-hmm. I lost a lot. Um, that's when I really started to drink heavy. Okay. Um, and, uh, and uh, you know, I, I don't like to blame it on a hard time, but let's face it. Like, you take a drink, it kind of numbs the shit you're going through. Mm-hmm. And, Talking to the choir right You know now, what yeah. I mean? And so um, facing those emotions, losing a time. Uh, our marriage at that time, um, going from, you know, being on this path of we're, we're, we're doing well and, and – you know, Nate's doing well in his career, and he's he's building wealth, and then all of a sudden losing everything and getting uprooted and having to go and, and rent a home somewhere. And just all the emotions that went with that, you know, I, I took it to the bottle, and, and I hid it from her. You know, it was sneaky. and In the house, you could drink and hide yeah, it from I mean, her. I'd, I'd come home from work, and, and she was always, you know, going to bed at 9 o'clock at night. And so from about, you know, I'd go home and... We'd have dinner and watch a little TV, and then she'd go to bed, and I'd pull out the bottle, and I'd get fucked up. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I'm not proud to say that that's what I was doing, but that's what I was doing. And I remember, like, uh, I loved watching Anthony Bourdain. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, no reservations. And um, uh, I just remember at night going down to my man cave, watching sports or watching Anthony Bourdain. And before I knew it, I was by midnight, I was loaded, crawling to bed. And you do that, you know, two shots uh, after six months, two shots a night turns to four shots a night. Yeah. Mm-hmm. After a year, four shots of a night turns to, you know, the next year, eight shots a night just to get the same effect. And so I just proved my tolerance built. Before I knew it, man, I was I was a fifth of whiskey every night. What, know, what type of drunk were you? Were you, were you a laid-back drunk? Were you, were you calm or were you angry? No, I, I was I was a... A happy drunk. Happy, yeah, yeah you okay. bet. Same yeah, way. yeah, I was, I was yeah. a happy drunk, and and it, you know, my behavior with drinking, where where I had to hide it, and 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 I, I'm com- I'm being transparent with everybody right here and right now, just so you can learn from my experience. I'm not proud of these things. I'm not proud that I hid all this from my wife, and um, but but it happened, and uh, and it's something that um. You know, small habits, small little compromises become bigger mm-hmm. over time. And um, and so if you can imagine where I'm I'm hiding, getting high, you know, I'm smoking bud and, and drinking. And I've got to, you know, those that are closest to me can't know that I'm doing it. You you get sneaky and, and, and you get good at it. And that kind of becomes addictive in and of itself. Right. I can get, huh? get away I, with I, it. I can yeah. get fucked up and she doesn't even know, you know. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, you know. Did you ever do it in the daytime? And you guys went, I don't know, on a to a, a family gathering or yeah, you know, and, yeah. and there's the game right there, yeah. you know, trying to be. Oh yeah, yeah. I remember showing up to like family dinners and and just feeling good and and you know telling myself the story that you know I'm the life of the party and everybody's boring and I mean I was completely addicted to to feeling good and and hiding it from everybody and and you know here's happy go lucky Nate he's always you know he's doing good in life and and here I really I'm just fucked up and nobody knows it mm-hmm. and, you know what I mean and, so everybody had kind of imagined you as kind of the life of the party like uh, out there having a good time all the time whenever there was a family gathering before you got into doing that were you that way then like like before the drinking started but getting high were you that way before so they didn't see that change or had you always kind of been kind of upbeat and happy-go-lucky at, at I, I think i've always been kind of upbeat and happy-go-lucky at least i at least that's the way i like to see myself right yeah sure whether i'm that guy or not but um but it it certainly um, just was addicting that I could get that quick, cheap, feel good. I could show up and be happy. Where everybody else, they're they're the warriors, man. They're the ones that family gatherings are tough, right? Facing mm-hmm. relationships and the emotions that go along with it. They were doing it without being high. They were facing those, yeah. you know, um, what it takes to to really build a relationship and and. You know, maybe, you know, you, you had, you know, a situation where you got pissed off at a sibling and, and you know, you're holding a grudge and things like that. I, you know, they pushed through those emotions with nothing. And here I was getting just fucked up and nothing bothered me and I'm happy-go-lucky all the time. And and uh, just, you know, that whole being addicted to easy, right? right. And and I like yeah. that addicted to easy. That, that says a lot. I, I, yeah. I get that. So that started at 25 and lasted how long? That that hiding it undercover like that just from your wife and just the alcohol and weed. So, oh man, I'm I'm ashamed to say ten years. Ten years mm. alcohol and weed hiding it from your wife. Yep, not terrible. No inklings, mm. even you're divorced now. Yeah. Okay. In retrospect, she never said to you, "I knew at this point," or "I thought this was weird," or n- nothing like that. I, she never knew anything. You know, um, I, there were we had moments where. I think she was catching on. I I just don't um, think she wanted to know um, to some degree. Um, but but she, with that, she was pretty naive, mm-hmm. so I was able to cover it up. Um, you know, I mean, I, uh, she, you know, she had never, she's just never been in the party scene, so she didn't know the signs. She didn't know what to look for. It seems like I, my older sister, kind of was up. You know, knew that I was up to something and. And said something to her, and I, I, I remember having conversations with her about, um, you know, her bringing some things up, and I, I was just good at manipulating it and denying it and playing the victim. You know, I was just right. good at getting out of it, and, and she didn't do anything to pry, and so I, you know, went on as long as it did, and um, it eventually came to a head though, and um, and you know, it, toward the end there. Um, I mean, my addiction got so bad, and, and this was, uh, I guess this was prior to breaking my back, but um, I uh, i broke it to her, and, um, you know, it was, somebody encouraged me to, to just lay it all out and just be honest with her. I mean, you know, real relationships are built on honesty and trust, and, and you know, after so long, it just, you know, I did care about her, at least, you know, 
my accents weren't showing it. Mm-hmm. And there and there yeah. there were people yeah. in my life yeah. that were just like, Look, dude, you're better than this and, and um you know, you need to if you you know, really care about her, you need to let her know what you're up to and and I did and, and, and we tried to work through it and we had some other things and you know, we're still amicable. We're okay. we're still friends today, but That know, says a lot. Yeah. But um uh but with that being said, we, uh, um, you know, we, we're just two different people and, and that, that didn't last, but, uh, the sneakiness and the addictive behavior and, and all of that is not conducive to a real deep, meaningful relationship. Okay. And so if you want that in a marriage and if, if you want that with people that you care about, you, you gotta show it with your actions and you just can't fake the funk, you know, you went from drinking to weed, then what? So Age 34, I tried cocaine for the first time and just instantly just loved it. Was that before or after the, you breaking your back? Sorry. So that was before. Oh, okay. I, right. bro- I broke my back at, um, at 37. So, and so drinking and using cocaine, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm up at the top of Snow Basin, just loaded, you know, coming down and, and. Let me back up a little bit. I okay. you, you guys are gonna think I'm crazy right now. Nope. But nope. I broke my back skiing when I was 20 for the first time. So I, I broke my back twice skiing. Hmm. And uh, a lot of you know I should probably give up skiing, but I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> you still ski now? Hell yeah. Okay. All right. It's just what you do. Yeah. <clears throat> right. So so the first time you tried cocaine, you said you were 34. Mm-hmm. 34. So you're high and drunk someplace you shouldn't have been probably. Yeah. Right? What age, how old were you when you got divorced? Uh, 37. All right, so you were married when you tried cocaine. So you're somewhere and all of a sudden you look, boom, there's cocaine. Somebody offers you cocaine. You're yeah. like, what the fuck? Because your inhibitions are down and let's try it. Yeah. So, so that's what you do. And a lot of, they, they say people remember the first time they did cocaine. They remember mm-hmm. that particular feeling because they say that's the chase you're always trying to get. Am I right with right. this? Mm-hmm. What is it like? Oh man, just I felt invincible. You know what I mean? Like, take your worst hangover, where you just feel like shit, and then it just being gone, and you're awake and alert, and all the energy in the world, and you're ready to start drinking again. Man, it's just it was the endorphin release, and and just I mean you're flying high on dopamine. It it was a great feeling, mm-hmm. and. Don't do it. Yeah. It'll destroy your life. Okay. Mm-hmm. And how'd that slope start for you um, in terms of destroying? Because you were a functioning alcoholic appeared, mm-hmm. right? Because you're hiding it and you're smoking the weed. So you're hiding both of those things. But right. cocaine, it, it costs so much. And I guess the high doesn't last that long. Am I right? Yeah, it doesn't. You know, and I so tried it for the first time at age 34. And just over the course of two, three years, you know, I... I got to where I, you know, I, I felt like I needed it just to function, you know, and so I was, I was three hundred dollars a day, and and that's got to be noticeable in a marriage. Yeah, yeah, that's that's that's, uh, yeah, that's that's really where it all came to a head. Are you, um, do you guys have kids at this point? No, no, no kids. kids. Okay, all right. So three hundred dollars a day. She's noticing this, like mm-hmm. the, like the money missing and so forth. Yeah, um, I mean. Yeah, I mean, not really so much the money, but she walked in on on me doing a line and just caught me red-handed, you know, and 
and so that that's really when everything came to a head and okay. I, had, you know, so, you know, I like to, I like to say, so leading up to that point, I'd like to say that, you know, I came forth and says, yeah, you know, this is what's going on, but I did get caught first. Right. And then all that good mm-hmm. advice from that mentor, you know, be honest with that. That's when it all came out. you right. Um, when you got caught first, did you try and spin it? Oh, this is my first time. Oh, I, uh, I, I, I never done it in a house before. Yeah. There's baby powder or no, whatever the case. Yeah, no, there was there was something to that. I don't yeah. completely remember. I'm sure I did. That's just who the fuck I was. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Manipulate it and spin it. Yeah. Okay, so she catches you. Now your marriage is going south. Mm-hmm. All right, and then is that when you crash into the tree? Yeah, I mean we we were doing the whole marriage counseling and. Um, Trying to trying to work some things out. I I had moved out at that point, and and it was looking like we were going to get a divorce. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, it was it was during that time that um, I broke my back skiing. And uh, was she there for you then when you broke your back? Then yeah, visit you yeah. and stuff. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, she was. What's the rehab like on that man? That's got to be a pain in the ass. Yeah, it was it was tough. You know, I um I was out of work for a while and. I shattered the first time I did it. I shattered my T eleven, and then the second time at age thirty seven, I shattered my L one, and so now I'm fused from my T ten down to my L two, and uh, so major back surgeries. But you know, each surgery that that I had, I mean, I, I'm I'm lucky I'm not paralyzed. Yeah, I'm fortunate that the you know the surgery took well, and and that I'm walking and. Um, it was tougher later, you know, at age 37 to recover than, than it was at age 20. Absolutely. You know, yeah. Everything's just, tougher, right? Like, you know, just, you know, it's, it's everything that, that everybody tells you about getting older and things healing. I mean, all that's true, right? Okay. And, so, go ahead. I'm sorry. And, and then just, uh, um, so I was out of work for a while and, um, you know, with my addictive personality, once I got on pain meds, man, it was just game over from there. You know, I loved them. What was and, the pain med? Yeah, dude, I was I was taking oxycotton and fentanyl and shit. I was taking as much as I could. I was doctor shopping and I. So my neurosurgeon told me, "Look, man, you are on such a high dose. You need to start weaning off." And and I, you know, and so the doctors, you know, they tell you you just got to be honest with yourself. You know what I mean? They tell you that, look, man, it's it's. You know, you've gone this long. Your pain should be subsiding. You need to start weaning off. And that's when I went to a pain clinic. I didn't do what he told me to do. Okay. You know what I mean? I just kept taking more. And, and by that point, my pain was gone. You know, I didn't have any back pain, you know, three months after surgery. And, and I just kept taking more. And it's crazy how fast you build your tolerance on that shit, too, man. It's like I was on Oxycontin. I was on the fentanyl sprays. I was on... And before I knew it, you know, I'm going down to the methadone clinic because I, I can't get enough of that shit. And it's just, it's just a downward spiral. Those drugs that you're talking about, aren't those ones that like make you move slower as opposed to the cocaine that makes you up? Yeah. Am I right? Yeah. 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 It, it, Were you it, still doing cocaine at this point? Yep. Yeah. So what is that cocktail like? You do cocaine to get the day going. And then when you go to sleep, you do the other ones? No, nah, you do them together. Yeah, you do them together. You got the downer, and then you got the cocaine that's the upper, and it gives you the energy, and and it's 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 an amazing feeling. But man, it's when you come off all that shit, like you just it feels great when you're high, and when you don't have it, 
the withdrawals and just you feel like shit. It's like having the flu. So if, if you're not high, you ain't normal. And this is for Coke and the pills you were doing. Yeah. So you'd feel like you had the flu. You'd body aches and sweating and headache and oh, all yeah. that stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and mostly just the withdrawals from um, from opioids, you know. Um, cocaine withdrawals are just more lack of energy and, okay. you know, you just fatigue and things like that. But, uh, but it, it, you know, it's nothing like, you know, alcohol, you know, you have a little bit of a hangover, smoking weed, it, you, you don't really have any withdrawals at all, right? Okay. And so the hard drugs, man, it's like you feel great while you're on them, but once you're off them, man, you feel like shit. And it's all you can do to get more just to back, but you know, get back to feeling normal. And then you take a little more to get high. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, it's a vicious cycle, man. And I'll tell you, it's it's a force to be reckoned with. People that are hooked on on uh, heroin and those things, you know, the pills. You were stacking everything. So the basis was your alcohol. Then you threw a little weed. Then you do the cocaine. Then you threw the pills on top of that. So you're doing all of those yeah. all the time. Yeah. Wow. I know. Yeah, that's that's like a ball of confusion, you know. Because you got slow over here. You got <laughs> yeah. fast over here. You said something about doctor shopping. What what is that? Uh, you know, you just you go to a pain clinic and um, you get your dose that you need for a while, and then that doctor starts to you know, say, "Okay, you know, we've been giving you this much. It's time to start weaning off." And once they tell you that, it's time to go to a new doctor mm-hmm. and present your case to the new doctors. You can start you just start, start, start that whole cycle over. Yeah. How long mm. does that last? How many doctors were you? Did you have in the bag shopping? Or I mean, I got. I went through three doctors, it seems like, until until it just turned to heroin, you know. I, just, I, I failed a drug test, um, and so at that point I, I, I was cut off. It was, you, it was, you owned your own business. What do you mean you failed a drug test? You were cutting hair, right? So yeah. Who was yeah, doing the drug test? Well, when you go to a pain clinic, you got to take a drug test. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. And so once I failed the drug test... Uh, you know, that was a red flag that this dude's just getting high. He's not trying to manage pain anymore. And and so, and he, yeah, and so here I am, you know, I, I've got a barbershop i got to run. Um, you know, I've got to wake up, open up the doors at 9 o'clock. I've got to feel normal to do it. And uh, I, um, it's debilitating when you have a heroin addiction and you can't get your drug. I mean... And you guys have had the flu before, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's like the worst case of the flu, man. And and for me, you know, you got the like the body aches and the flu-like symptoms. Um, for me, the the worst withdrawal was the um, the depression. Okay. You know what I mean? These drugs are giving you so much dopamine, and um, you know, just your pleasure centers are just firing all the time, and so your body chemistry is just completely thrown off over time to where, you know, your brain's not producing dopamine. Okay. You know what I mean? So, so for me, I'd wake up and I'd be withdrawing, and the depression side of that side of it was just too much to bear, dude. I just you just want to crawl into a wall, and the thought of getting up and opening in the barbershop and entertaining people and cutting hair it was just too much. You know, you know, so you would miss work? Yeah, I mean, if I couldn't get my drug, I, yeah, yeah. There's, there's, would you steal from work? It's got to be easy as an owner to take extra money. Yeah, I mean, I. Stealing from work is just like depleting my savings account, right? Okay. Stealing mm. from myself. So, yeah, you know, eventually once the money ran out, um, that's when 
I did my first crime um, was, uh, so here I am, 37 years old. I've never been to jail, right? Okay. I did a, a home invasion. You did a home invasion? I did. Yep. All right. <laughs> so, so you just a random person or you knew somebody had cash? I mean. Yeah, there, there was, uh, it was a situation where I knew that, that they had some um, precious metals like gold bullion and, and things like that. And, and I actually, uh, rather than like, you know, I, I went in and, and I posed as, as like a service provider and went in and made sure that those items were still there. And you didn't know these people. No. Right. No, but, um, you know, let, let me just paint the picture. You, you're divorced, 37, right? Yeah. That's, so you're getting divorced in the business. You're no longer a part of the business at this point. No, I'm, I'm still running the business. Yeah, you're still I'm, running I'm, the business. I'm starting to get behind on barbershop rent because I've depleted my savings. And I've, your brother's like, what the fuck, right? What's going on? Yeah. Here? Well, there's, there's another part to that as okay. well. That, okay. Yeah. But let, let me ask you this real quick. Nobody knows you like mom. Mom has to notice some changes in you. Yeah. Mom's got to notice some changes. Oh, yeah. So she's having conversations with you off to the side and you're lying to her too so yeah. doing your scheme but she knows right i mean you, you would think she would know something's different with me absolutely okay mother's intuition is always on point. it's a real thing oh yeah with that do you stop going around the family as much yeah okay yeah. because you don't want to deal with that oh, yeah. so here you are your choice now you, you said i'm going to do a home invasion solo yeah yeah okay i you know i i was acting like i was uh like i said a service provider i got in the home and sure enough the items that I heard were there were there mm -hmm. and and it long story short I I got caught going back and um, went to jail for it and so my first time going to jail they gave me 90 day work release um, and so I was to go to Kiesel for 90 days right I'm and assuming you went in there with a gun no no you didn't go in there with a no. gun what'd you go in there with I, I went in um, as an actor that I was doing a service for the home, and so I, I was speaking with the person, and, and once they got, got out of the room that I knew the stuff was in. Oh, you just yeah. started pocketing that. Yeah. Okay, okay. Okay. When I hear home invasion, I'm like, give me the money, it's, motherfucker. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, That's yeah, what yeah. I hear, too. <laughs> yeah, you kicked and, in the door. Right. And so, um, but then I ended up uh, going back. Okay. And, um, and I, I didn't have a gun, and... and and but that, I had all intentions of breaking in at that point, and and you know they had cameras and things set up, and, and I got caught. So, um, bad. I'm a, I'm a I'm a bad criminal. Bad criminal. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good thing. When you're doing that, are you saying to yourself as you're doing it, Nate? What the fuck are you doing? Does that go in your mind? Because we've all done stupid shit. Right. Or you, or is it that you're so high at the time and you're feeling that invincibility? So you're like, I got this. But Both. Nate's still in there. You're still in there. So check it out. Go ahead. As I would sober up, I would just scare the fuck out of myself. I'm like, what are you doing? And then I get high, and it's like, oh, yeah, you got this. Invincible. And so as long as I was loaded, I felt untouchable. Gotcha. And it was, it's scary looking back on it now. Yeah. And where I'm at today, that was, those, those were scary places to be, thinking that yeah. I could go and do whatever take whatever and manipulate whatever and that I would that I was convinced that I was different and yeah that's that's a scary uh, a scary place to be thinking that you're different you can get away with these things and and to some degree I, I I did for a time and and 
you know, once you get away with little things here and there, you're convinced that you can continue to do it and never get caught. And, and I'm not different <laughs> throughout all this. I, I've certainly learned that, uh, I'm just like anybody else, yeah. and I was a knucklehead, and I got eventually I got caught, and I suffered the consequences for it. Well, but when you got caught, you got 90 days work release, so, so you slept there at night, but you could go to work normally. So you know, not so my first time going to jail, you know, I I got 90 days work release. Um, I I got off, uh, you know, pretty. Uh, the, the judge was good to me for sure, and, mm-hmm. and, and a lot of it had to do with my lack of criminal history. Sure. But 90 days work release, I, I showed up on like day five, and, and I had been drinking, and and I filled uh, the breathalyzer, and so they locked me up for 60 days, and that's that's when, you know, I had to close down the barbershop. And, Damn. Yeah, I was in jail, and Weber County Jail, you know what I mean? And for the here I am, 37 years old, in jail. Federal inmates, state inmates, county inmates, and shit was wild. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Why, wild how? Never been incarcerated before, not knowing the game and all that stuff. Yeah, you, obviously you got some street to you because you're man- manipulative. How'd I do? Not good. All right, you know what yeah. I mean. So obviously you got some street to you, but you don't know the hierarchy of, of the jail. You don't know the games and all that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So you learn that on the fly. Yeah. Well, the best I could, right? Best you could. You know, and, and what really helped me is uh, just being a barber. It seemed like every pod that I went into, I had a, a customer that, oh, check it out, Nate. Nate, what the hell are you doing here, yeah. man? And, but, you know, and so uh, having that barbershop clientele really helped me in jail. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but it's wild, man. Like You didn't have to knuckle up? You didn't have to knuckle up, no. Okay. Did a lot of hair cutting. <laughs> yeah, bad. Uh, <laughs> with a razor and a comb. Yeah. Um. But, uh, you know, it's, it's wild in there, man. It's, it's, you know, um, predator versus prey, you know what I mean? And, uh, I, I hope to never go back. Um, I, I won't go back. Um, but, um, and with that being said, there's a lot of good people in jail too, man. There's sure. a lot of people that just made mistakes and, Absolutely. Mm-hmm. and you know what I mean? And there's certainly those that are locked up that need to stay locked up and, yeah. and um, Weber County, man, there was there was a fight almost every day in there, man. It was shit was wild, and yeah, it was good for me to see, though. You know what I mean? It was good to to go through that and, and experience that and see people in there that that you know are are good people and good people when they're sober, right? Uh, but jail's not meant to like rehabilitate people and, and prison, and there it's just not meant to to reform people and and it's so a storage facility. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's exactly what it is, and and as much as people want to get out and and do well, if you get out and go hang out with the same old crowd, you're gonna you learn the same shit. Old yeah. shit. You know what I mean? And While you're in jail, mom, dad, siblings, they stand by you, they visit you, and all that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Ex-wife? No, no, no. All right. So you get out, you do your sixty days. It's wild in there. You saw the fights. Yeah. You you had to cut hair to mm-hmm. to stay out the mix. Now what? The barbershop's closed. Barbershop's closed. <clears throat> Your brother's not mad at you? Your sister's not mad at you? Um, yeah. Yeah, we're, you know what I mean? We're, we're, we, we're at odds for sure. But they um, still came and visited but, yeah. you in jail? Yeah. Okay, family yeah. first. Good. Yeah, you know, they, they still care about me, and they, uh-huh. they know that um, they never lost their faith in me, but certainly disappointed. Sure. Um, you know, I got out. So going to jail that first time, you know, I, I 
came off of uh, 180 milligrams of methadone. And so, so detoxing from the drugs and anybody that's been on methadone knows that like that shit was terrible. Like I thought I was going to die. And so when I got out of jail, there was no way I was going back to any of that after going through those kind of withdrawals. And, um, but once again, I, I started hanging out with the wrong people. And that's that's really the only choice you have. They man. say that's the hardest thing, changing your friends. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so as as bad as I wanted to never experience that again, or as much as I, I never wanted to go through that, I just didn't have the tools to, I, I didn't, you know, I made poor choices in who I surrounded myself with. Right. And it wasn't long before I was back into it. And so you're back into all the drugs. You're drinking, coke, weed, mm-hmm. heroin, method, all that stuff. Right yep, back. Yep. You never missed a beat. Never what are you doing for work? So I'm I'm going from house to house. I'm barber on the move. Um, just going to customers' homes and cutting and, you know, all the, you know, with the whole idea that I'm going to save up money and open up the barbershop again. And But I'm, I'm buying drugs faster and I'm making money. And, um. And so that's, uh, you know, my back against the wall. I'm high as fuck thinking, you know, all right, we got to make a move. And that's when uh, that's when I went and robbed my first bank. First bank? Yep. Okay. So you're, you're door-to-door haircut guy, but you're spending money more than you can make, faster than you can make it. Mm-hmm. How does that formulate in your head? Did you meet somebody and said, hey, I'm going to rob a bank as you're cutting your hair? Or did you say, hey, I'm cutting your hair. Do you want to rob a bank? You didn't. You didn't rob a bank by yourself. I don't I, want you. To, I don't want you to implicate anybody. But that's not a one man no, job. I did. I robbed a bank by myself. <laughs> what? Yeah. Holy I didn't, shit. Yeah. Yeah. They said I don't need a motherfucker. This I is mine. Need, I don't need anybody getting caught and telling on me. Nice. You know okay. I mean? All right. Smart. Smart. I, you know, I, if I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna go in and you know I'm accountable for me. Uh huh. I know my actions and what I'm gonna do. And you're not going to tell on yourself. And I'm not going to tell on myself. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, Did you case it out for a while? Uh, not really. Okay. All not right. really. I mean, there were things in, yeah. I don't so want you to get bank robbing 101. Yeah, I don't want you to do that. Nah. I just want to know. <laughs> so uh, I understand I, that you didn't go Ocean's Eleven here. No. Nah, okay. No, nah, I mean, I, I, was, I was, you know, I'm going to put out there to everybody first before we even you know, get into this. And okay. I don't want I don't want to glorify a bank robbing by any means. Don't fucking rob a bank. Okay. <laughs> and I've heard that somewhere before, by the way, so and, I was well aware on my end. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but finally got him to laugh. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Only took us an hour. We got him. Oh, I'm talking too much here. No, um, well, I, again, we don't want specifics. But you said to yourself one day, did you just wake up and say, I'm robbing a fucking bank today. I need some money. Yeah. Where are, you, where are you sleeping? You, you live in an apartment, a car, or what? Nah, you know, I'm, I'm living with a girlfriend. Okay. And she using to? No. All right. No. Are you hiding it from her? I, hiding it from her. God damn, you should be an actor, man. Yeah, no, dude, it's terrible. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So talk to me about the, the, the plan to formulate the robber bank. How, how does that come into your head? Um, you know, none of this makes sense sober. Sure. When, you know, I high, re- high as fuck. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm invincible. I can walk in, slide a note, and the crazy thing about it is, it worked the first time. 
and I'm home counting money. Did you show a weapon? Did you have a weapon? No. You walked in there with a piece of paper that you wrote on a fucking envelope yeah. from from fucking uh, the gas bill and slid it over and they gave you money? <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. Um, your own getaway car because you're by yourself. So you ran out. Did you have a mask on? Yeah. Stocking or a mask? Well... <sighs> I'm not going to get into details. All right, all right, all right. Okay. Yeah. I'm sorry. Again, yeah. all right, we don't want to teach people how to rob a bank. Nah. Okay. All right, so the first time you got away with it. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And uh, so I'm home counting the money, and I'm thinking, holy shit, like, what am I doing cutting hair, man? Like, jeez. <laughs> 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 you know what I mean? Like, uh-huh. I just made a year's worth of haircuts right here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Okay, all right. <laughs> So that was the worst thing that could have happened, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, then I'd have moments of, like, I'd sober up and just be like, oh, shit, dude, what the fuck are you, what are you doing? You mm-hmm. know, and, and I'd, I'd just have those moments of paranoia and and just, you know, the, the reality of the life I'm living and, and the only way to really mask those emotions was just to get high again. And... Are you just buying drugs, or did you go out and buy an Xbox? I, I, I don't know what you buy. Uh, you buy some sneakers? You buy yeah. your girl a ring? Or... Yeah. I'm, so I'm, you bought other shit. It wasn't just for drugs? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you got you to gotta pay the bills, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. And, uh, and so, you know, eventually I, I got caught. I remember uh, I had just hit a bank, and... I called up a friend and said, "All right, man, let's." We, we had plans to go out to Windover and called him up, and he said, uh, "He said, man, I ain't going to Windover with you." I'm like, "What?" So like, yeah, man, you're all over Fox 13 News right now. Oh shit! And mm-hmm. I'm like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> <laughs> shit just got real, uh-huh. right? <clears throat> and uh, and yeah, you know, so I. You know, I called up the drug dealer and I stocked up on what I could. And you know, when when you're on, man, when you're on that hard shit, that's all you care about. Like, okay, I got enough to get me through, so I don't have to suffer these gnarly ass withdrawals. I got enough to get me out to Windover for this period of time. And and now, are you doing that just in case you have to lay low? I guess, or it's exactly okay. So you're building, (laughs) you're stockpiling. So if you have to lay low, then you don't have to show your face out there. Uh huh. And I mean, you guys can only imagine just all the emotions that I'm facing at that point, right? And so you know, I'm on the run. Um, I'm just, I'm just thinking. I mean, so much emotion. Like you know, what am I? What's my family thinking? And um, I'm on my own now and, and, you know, here I am out in Wendover and I get out to Wendover and I'm like, um, I just can't lose. Like I start, I start gambling, right? It's the weirdest thing. Like a guy that just robbed a bank, he shouldn't be lucky, right? He, yeah. he should be just blowing that money. And all of a sudden I'm like winning. What are you playing? Yeah. Uh, blackjack. Yes. And, okay. Yeah. And, uh, and, and I'd take all this money and I'd, I'd go to my hotel room and, and I'd, I'd start to sober up and and just all the emotions were hitting me of oh shit dude like you got the feds that are you know trying to track you down and and dude you're you fucking 
you're all over the news, hitting banks, and and I would just get high, and that was the only escape. And Your girl didn't go with you? No. Okay, so you're solo. Oh, yeah. Gotcha. And uh, and that lasted about a week, and and they, you know, they're good at what they do. They caught up to me out of Wendover, and, and you know, before I knew it, you know, I'm, I'm waking up in Weber County Jail, and just withdrawing like a motherfucker and I remember somebody walks in with a paper look dude you're fucking indicted bro and I'll find out in the standard examiner that you know shit's getting real and and here I am in jail detoxing off all the drugs and mm. reality's just hitting me yeah. of what is going on you know what my life has become has come to and and uh you know, I'm I'm just, I remember I'm on my knees just, you know, praying like there's got to be a way out, dude. I, like, I'm not meant to go to prison for 20 years. And That's what you were facing, 20? Yeah, so, you know, max, max, you know, max sentence would have been okay. 20. I probably wouldn't have got all that. But Can I ask I would, you a, a few questions based on that? Um, what was the time frame between robbing the first bank and the second and the third? Just how long would that whatever money last? Couple weeks, couple weeks. Yeah. And how many banks were you charged with robbing? I got charged with two. Two. Mm-hmm. And when they took you down, did they take you down in the room at a twenty-one table at the buffet line, bathroom? How'd... Um, I I got pulled over. Yeah, I got. So pulled. you were coming back? Yeah, I was driving from Pepper Mill to Montego. All of it was is is a blur. I mean, I got pulled over. Um, I was um. I, so I remember, uh, I remember getting out of my car and, and them figuring shit out. And there was this like three hundred pound cop. I fucking <laughs> took off running, and he caught my ass. <laughs> <laughs> and he fucking tackled me, right? Okay. Well, and I don't know how he was it a brother? Nope. White dude? Yep. No shit. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> And he snatched me up and fucking just pile drive my ass in the ground. And I remember getting up and he's like, "If you take off running again, I'm gonna tase your ass." And, and but I don't know. I still to this day don't know how he caught me. <laughs> dude, <laughs> oh, dude. I thought for sure if there's anybody I could run from, it'd be that. It'd be thing, that right? fat fuck, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> and. Uh, so yeah, I mean, so this this is kind of the part that I I want as many people to hear as possible. Okay. I uh, I woke up. Um, this was after you know detoxing in jail, and and I just had this feeling come over me that look, man, like you're gonna get a second chance somehow, some way. You're not meant to go away for twenty years. You know, the, there's 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 more out there for you. I just had a, a good. Uh, just a, a good peace of mind about it and then I heard about the Other Side Academy I saw a flyer um, the Other Side Academy is a program um, it's an alternative to incarceration if you, if you get accepted you you can go there for two years and if you complete the program then uh, you, know, you do that in lieu of your, your sentence and... okay, but what type of criminals 
What what type of people? Because if you if you had brandished a gun or shown a gun or took somebody hostage, would that still be yeah, offered I mean, to you? A, a violent criminal? Because you weren't violent. I, I wasn't violent. Um, it was still a people's crime. Um, okay. But, but so there are things that, that keep you from being accepted. You can't be an arson. Um, you can't be no sex offenders. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's about it. Okay. Mm. And so there are people that have done violent crimes um, that have been accepted by the other side okay. of the academy. But once you're there, I mean, very, very strict rules in in regards to um, absolutely no violence, any act of violence, and you're kicked out. Um, kicked out meaning you're going to prison? Yeah, meaning, okay, okay so, so typically if you get accepted to the other side of the academy and if you're looking at 20 years of prison time, um, like I was, um, the judge says, all right, you know, the other side academy, you know, it's got that reputation that if you get through it, it's, it's, it's a behavior modification program and, and it's, it's finally gaining some traction. And so the judge knows that if you get through that, that, uh, recidivism, um, you know, your, your chance of reform is good and, and that you'll be a contributing member mm. of society at okay. that point. But if you fail... If I give you this opportunity and you fail, you're gonna you're gonna do your full sentence. Basically, Damn. wow, yeah. Um, that's how mine went, and so, um, but it was basic mathematics for me, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Two yeah. Year, two years or or twenty years, and and uh, but I'm I'm here to tell you guys that anybody that gets the opportunity to go to the other side academy, take it. It's a lottery ticket. Um, it works. It's what we, is it for you in the other side academy that that worked? What, so what is it that helped you fix that path? That um, we address behaviors. Um, it's like I was saying earlier. It's not so much. So we had the drug addict and criminal combined, mm-hmm. right? Um, it's the philosophy that. Um, we're not addicted to drugs. We're addicted to easy. Okay. We're addicted to taking the easy way out. And in life, that doesn't get you anywhere. And so you have to fix your behaviors. If you want to live a good life, you have to align your behaviors in a way that you reach living a good life, right? So mm-hmm. uh, a life of integrity and honesty, um, not being manipulative, not being sneaky. And so here we have this community of people a hundred students living on campus where um, it, it's all peer driven and we hold each other accountable for the smallest things, you know, no lying, no stealing, no, no. Um, and then we're talking um, like in your face. And we have what we call games, these feedback sessions where um, say you did something that uh, say, say you talked bad on wood or, and and I would do what we call a pull-up. Look, man, we don't do that here. And then we go into these game settings, and you get 25 people that blast you for, look, man, who do you think you are? We don't talk bad on each other here, mm-hmm. and, and we just address behaviors. And so um, the Other Side Academy is different than any other rehab in that um, we don't have, like, counselors and um, doctors giving you, giving you medications and... You know, we we just don't have people telling you because that, that's the easy. That's the easy. Yeah. You know, that's playing the victim. Look, yeah. you are you are the way you are because you know you had a rough life and 
and uh, but you didn't. You didn't. No, I I didn't. Right there, I didn't. Yeah, I, I, I'm I, thinking I, about you. I'm sure there's some people there that yeah. did, but you did not. Yeah, yeah. But and everybody's dealt cards in life, um, but you know you have to face life on life's terms. And you have to gain that emotional maturity. If mm-hmm. you if you take a substance to mask that emotion, you, it stunts your emotional maturity. And you have to push through those those hard times, and you have to grow emotionally. And and that's and that's that prepares you for a successful life, right? Did your attorney present the other side academy to the judge? Did the judge already know about it? How, so how did the that judge happen? know about it, and and so my attorney. I, I went. I I heard about it and told my attorney about it, and I was really fortunate that. Um, Real she, quick, did your family pay for the attorney? Did you have a public defender? Just a, a public defender. Public yeah. defender, mm-hmm. but your family was still in your corner. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Go ahead. And uh, yeah, man, I just I just think that um, stars aligned, man, and I was able to. No, you, the you, ju- you you talking about your attorney and presenting it to the judge? Yes. Um, so my attorney had another case, another. Um, um, individual that uh, she represented that was at the other side academy, so okay. she knew a little bit about. It, so he kind of paved the way for me, and and I. Uh, so most of um, most of the students at the other side academy are state inmates, and so there's just a handful of us that are federal, and so he he Damn. happened to be one that, that was federal, and and so, um, and I I think that. With with him and and then the lack of my criminal history and then me getting in front of the judge and just being able to be honest with him about, you know, I, I was interviewed by the, um, the director of the other side academy, Dave DeRocher, and and he blasted me in a way that that really helped me kind of prepare the mindset when I went in front of the judge. Look, if if I get accepted, that you know, he asked me in in my interview, you know, do you love your family? Well, yeah, of course I love my family. No, you don't. Like, well, what do you mean? No, I love my. No, you don't. Your actions don't prove that. Here you're in jail. You're asking your family to put money money on your books. You ain't living a life that's showing your family that you love them. And and so really, just you know, him, you know, blasting me and, and making me take accountability for my actions and how it affects people and and it it really prepared me to go in front of the judge and say, look, I need help. Mm-hmm. You know, I've hit rock bottom. Um, I know I've done these crimes, but, you know, please give me a second chance. Um, I'm humbled. I'm, um, I need, you know, you know, if the other side Academy is a place that, that, that can help me, you know, I, please give me that chance. And, um, and I, I, I was lucky to get that opportunity, so. Rock bottom's different for everybody, right? Everybody has a different rock bottom. Your rock bottom's pretty far down, there, like in my world. But going to the other side of academy, did you see anybody else's who, whose rock bottom was even had more peril than yours? I mean, that's you know, robbing banks for yeah. support a drug habit. That's yeah. But I mean, was there anybody out there that you know? I don't know. You you never stole from your parents. No. No, I didn't. Okay, you had to think about that. I was like, oh, well, shit, I didn't well, hear that story. It's interesting because uh, we learn at the other side of Academy ultimate accountability, right? Being yes. Being in, impeccably honest with that. Of course I stole from my parents. I stole time. Okay. Mm. You know what I mean? I um, They came and put money on my books that I haven't paid them back 
for. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I made them worry. I kept them up at night. So fuck yeah, I stole okay. from my parents. Okay. Um, I like that. Yeah. I like mm-hmm. it. What, what, stealing from a bank, you gambled the money away or you, you drugged the money away. So what do you have to do? How do they get their money back? Is that insured money that they just get back from the government or... Is that on you? Yeah, you know, I mean, that was the story that held me feel better about why I was robbing them, right? Okay. Like the ICN shirt. <laughs> right, that's what it but says. Go, that's what Robert Nero said in Heat, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> it's funny the shit we tell ourselves to, to feel better about what the fuck we do. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, going through what I went through in 2008, you know, it, it, was, it was the small guy that lost, right? These yeah. homes that I had and mm-hmm. the big banks got bailed out. And, yeah, I, I ran that story. Look, banks always get bailed out. Fuck them. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And so... But um, but I have restitution, and I'm paying that back, and I'm happy to pay it. Okay. Wow. Yeah. I, I, I didn't know it worked that way. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure they got paid back with it, federally, federally insured, right? Right. <clears throat> but but I took something that wasn't mine, and I'll, and, and I'll pay back. So if you're talking to our younger listeners, because even Carlos, the guy that gave Wood that right. beer that he sucked down so fucking yeah. quick, I looked over. Normally you nurse it, and that bitch yeah. has been yeah. gone a while. Yeah. Have you ever put um, uh, salsa on fruit? It's yeah, probably it's the gone. best thing in there is. Yeah, it's delicious. Wait. <laughs> now, not everybody who drinks is an alcoholic. Right. Not everybody that smokes weed is is going to go do cocaine, mm-hmm. right? So you can't say, like, where's the level? Like, for you... You're not a sip. You can't even fuck around. You're not toasting on your 50th party. You're not mm. toasting. Uh, no celebration mm. n- with alcohol. You can't do that. Yeah. How do people, th- th- this is a weird question. How, how do people know, I guess it's different for everybody, but your, your, your limit, what, is, is it when you sacrifice time for your habit? Is it when you, you, you start you know sneaking around to do your, your habit? I mean, you could have a spouse or somebody Who's down with it? You could be two alcoholics in a family. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So how do you gauge that? How does the person, if you were giving advice to somebody, if you were looking at me and Wood, right? We come in here every Sunday, we get fucked up, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, Wood's still impregnating people. That's what he does, right? And <laughs> we, we, we still get up, we go to work every day. But if you're looking at a friend and you say, hey, guy, you, you need to stop that. What are the signals for you, for somebody? Because you, you should be able to read that. You, you've been through the gauntlet. Yeah. So how do you know how to... How to gauge that? And what would you say to somebody? You know, I, I just think that um, with life experience, we all learn about ourselves. Yes. And, and it just takes time. You know, for me, I, um, I've i always been that guy that um, I can't just have one drink. Like there, like you said, there are those people on the weekend that can have one drink and, and they're good. Mm-hmm. Me, one drink turns into a whole fucking bottle and I got to get trashed. And then I've, I've, I've just got to... Once I've once I've taken that drink, I've I've got to take it all the way. And so, um, I think it's just about being honest with yourself, um, you know, and, and it's experience. It's going to be different for everybody, you yeah. know. And um, you know why, you know why, you know why are why are you drinking? You know, the the feel good of it, the the. You know, I think most people drink because, you know, it, it loosens them up. It helps them to be social and those kind of things. Um, but it's, it's you know, if if you are using it as a crutch to be the better you, that's kind of the story that I told myself, okay. right? The the more I use it, the, I feel like I'm, I'm a better version of myself. I'm more relaxed. I'm more sociable. I'm, you know, if if you are starting that 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 habit 
and and you believe in that, it, that's a scary point to be. Yeah. Mm. That you need that to be a better you. Mm-hmm. And and if that's the case, if that's the story that you're telling yourself, then you're gonna do it more. Okay. And more. And more. And and you know, I I think any addiction, you know, outside of moderation is just gonna be unhealthy. I like I drink I like the way it tastes first of all mm-hmm. you know I don't drink swill and I like the way it makes me feel but I went through some shit at the beginning of the year where I said I can't drink because I, for me I like to feel emotion you know what I mean if I'm yeah. if I'm if something's going on in my life that fucks me up yeah. I'm not gonna drink because I don't want to bury that I want to deal with it and get to the other side yeah. right and it was six yeah. weeks I yeah. didn't, I didn't drink at all yeah just right. because yeah. I was going through something so I'm like you were I'm a happy drunk I like you know the fun but if I'm depressed I won't drink. Mm-hmm. So I'm not an alcoholic, is right? I mean, I'm, I'm looking for help here, man. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> I, I think that um, it's interesting because I, I think that 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 is a good way to approach it, right there. I, I okay. think it's important to face emotions, and and I I think back to like um, what were my triggers for yeah. for drinking? I would get home from work, I wasn't happy in my relationship. I'd come home, I'd see my my wife on the couch that's been watching TV all day. And she is going to watch TV the rest of the night. And that would irritate me. And rather than being honest with her and telling her how I felt, mm-hmm. I would go downstairs and I'd take a couple shots and that would take the edge off. And then, and I'd, go, and then I'd go cook dinner and then I didn't care. Hmm. And so. Oh, wait a minute. You, she didn't work and you still cook dinner? Fuck yeah, I love cooking. Do you really? Which is special? What can you cook? Oh, What's your thing? I, you know, I like to barbecue and I like to make spaghetti from scratch. Like you make your own pasta? Yeah. Well, not not the actual pasta, pasta, but just the sauce. You make your own sauce? Yeah, yeah. How, how do you make your sauce? I just, you know, dice up some onions and, um, you know, some cucumbers and. and you put cucumbers some, in your sauce? And, yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, Zucchini's delicious. Zucchini. In it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, mm. it you know, uh, eggplant's good too. Yep. Um, and you know just. You know, you dice up the carrots real small, and you just saute, sauce, you yes. know, saute it. Which is seasoning? Fresh tomatoes and always fresh tomatoes. Mm-hmm. Which is seasoning? What do you sprinkle? Yeah, in just it? you know, just salt and pepper, and then you know some basil and. They say know. the secret's in the rosemary. The rose, rosemary is okay. good too. Mm-hmm. Rosemary on potatoes is good. And it then is. you grill. You you do smoke. You smoke meat or. Um, I had a Weber grill, so yeah. I mean, I um, I, I I didn't smoke it, but you know, over charcoal. Yeah. Yeah, and just grill up chicken and and that kind of stuff and. She loved that I cooked, and, mm-hmm. and it kind of gave me that separation from her. You know, she's watching TV. I'm cooking and getting faded, and, and I could do my thing, and, and yeah. But um, cooking was fun. But that's how I coped with, with what, rather than addressing the things that bothered me about her, I would just get high and everything was all right right see i have a little of that like how you just said addressing my my thing was presentation because i've been in situations like that in relationships where somebody's fucking lazy all day and you come home and i didn't drink i'd be like you fucking bitch and right then and there the conversation was going <laughs> south you know what i mean <laughs> what the fuck have you been doing all day and she i lost her right yeah, yeah. because she's like you call me a fucking bitch and i'm like goddamn right i called you a fucking bitch i've been at work for nine hours and now you're sitting on the couch you know painting your toes where's fucking food how come the clothes aren't folded yeah. not that i yeah. want a slave here but if i'm over here doing this you mm-hmm. should be over here doing that right yeah. so my presentation i had to learn how to change my presentation yeah. to my yeah. anger but i'll you, tell you what man that that is a lot better than just not being honest with her okay and not telling her how you feel because you know honesty and 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 just being truthful with her you know 
connects you guys. At mm-hmm. least she knows where you stand and, and you know what you got to work on. Mm-hmm. But if you're hiding it, then you're completely disconnected. Right on. Yeah. You're disconnected from yourself because you're not being honest with yourself. You're doing, you're doing yeah. what you got to do to numb the, those emotions too. And yeah. So. so I have a just I have two more questions. Answer them in either order, um, if you would. What's was was the best advice to you that you have to somebody going through it? right now if there's someone out there listening and they're struggling with this addiction or any addiction what's your best advice and then um kind of hand in hand with that what's your best advice to somebody that's watching someone a loved one friend whoever that is they're watching them go through that what's your best advice to them to help the person they're seeing go through this so um you can't do it alone this is you know you can't do it alone you need to be honest with the people that love you so that they can help you. Um, you need to create a circle of, influ- of influence that holds you accountable if you truly want to change. And, um, you know, often it does take hitting rock bottom sometimes and then being humbled to really want to change. But if you decide, look, man, I've been at this long enough. Um, I've been a drug addict long enough. I know where it's going to get me. I want to do something different. Um, you need help. And you need people that care about you in your circle and, and you need to communicate with them and, 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 and allow them to hold you accountable because you've decided that you need help. For people that um, have loved ones that are addictive, um, they, you, they have to want to change. Mm-hmm. And you, yeah. you have to... Um, there is a really good book written by Joseph Grinney, the, our founder of the Other Side Academy, called Moroni's um, Battle um, on Addiction, Moroni's War on Addiction. And that whole book talks about um, not enabling them. Like, I think even my parents enabled me. Um, without even really knowing it. Like a, a drug addict is so manipulative and they'll do and say to get what, what they need to get their fix, right? Mm-hmm. And when you love somebody, when you have somebody that's an addict and you love them, like you do things out of love um, thinking that you're helping them right. and really you're enabling them. Okay. And so say like you got a 35-year-old son living in the basement, gaming, getting high all the time, kicking them out is the best thing. Yeah, You know what I mean? And I'm not a parent, but it'd be hard to kick your own child yeah. mm-hmm. out on the streets, you know, the thought of them being homeless. But that's what the fuck they need to wake them up, yeah. you know. So um, just getting advice from from those that have been through it to to be sure that you're not enabling. And then there's people, you know, you don't have to fight this battle alone. There's people that have been through it. And, and and there's a lot of good advice out there. You just need to you need to be willing to be honest and, and open and, and transparent with your situation and so people can help. Now you said you don't have any kids, so I assume you have nieces and nephews. Yeah. How old are they? The oldest ones. Um the oldest nephew is twenty two, right. twenty three. So, mm-hmm. so with them, you know, you're around them, their friends, their habits and stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you were like a radar for shit. Did you have to have <laughs> these conversations with them or did your brother or sister send them over and say, Hey, talk to Uncle Nate about, you know, your choice of friends or whatever's going on here or or you know, did you ever have to intervene and say, Hey look, I know this fucking movie. I wrote this movie. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and I, you know, as they get older I think I'm gonna have more of those opportunities. But yeah. 
and yeah. you bet. And you know, I I'm really grateful that I'm at a point in my life where I can do that, and that that's mm. that's what I'm going to thrive off of the rest of my life is being able to, you know. It's unfortunate that, you know, I was that guy that you tell me not to do something, I, I got to go find out why, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. My, my, Must be fun. That's why you, know you said don't yeah. do it. Um, I remember my t- my parents telling me, look, you are who you hang out with. Yeah, right. That's the truth. Yeah, right. Let me show you who I can hang out yeah. with, and I'll bring them up. You know, I had to do everything. Mm-hmm. Just I had to go learn the hard way, but yeah. but I did learn the hard way, and I do have a, a lot to offer, and, and, and as the time comes, you know, with my nieces and nephews, I'll... Um, I'll be there for him, and, and I look forward to those moments. Are you still involved with the Other Side Academy? Yeah. Yep. Are, are you a mentor to people who are just, what do they call it in the jail? They fished in? Do you guys call it fished in there? Is that okay? In jail, yeah. Okay, all right. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. new guys at the academy, uh, do you mentor people? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So um, I'm, I'm a graduate now. Um, I can move out and, and move on with my life, um, but we have a graduate program where we pay rent. Um, so I, I, I still live on campus and that way I can stay mm. connected to the community and, and it helps me, you know, mm-hmm. one of our beliefs is when A teaches B, A gets better. Right. And so the farther I can be removed from who the fuck I was, the yeah. better off I'm going to be. And so. Are you um, scared of new friends? N- no, I, I embrace new friends. Uh, on the flip side of that, there are a lot of people out there. There are more people out there that are living sober and that are living successful lifestyles than than what I wanted to admit when I was addicted. I, sure. you know, it seems like when you're using, you look out and that's all you see are right. people that use, right? So no, man, I, 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 uh, um, I look forward to building relationships with people that, that uh, are living on the up and up. And, and um, you know, fortunately where I'm living now, there's... You know, I'm exposed to a lot of that, you know, people that have either had been addicted and they're out of it now or, or have never been addicted and they spend their lives in the trenches helping people because mm-hmm. they know how important it is. They had a son or a, or a loved one that was addicted. And so just being around those kind of people. So that your question, are, are you scared to make new friends? Maybe maybe people that use and things like that. I won't hang out with those well, people. Yeah, me yeah. neither. <laughs> but you have to get through that to, to realize that. You understand what I mean? Yeah, you, yeah. When you meet somebody, you don't know if they use it. They don't walk up and say, hey, you yeah. want to do some blow? Well, some of them do. They're like, you want to yeah, party? And you're like, yeah, get the fuck away from me. Yeah. <laughs> but but sometimes you have to go through those those hurdles and you're like, oh, this dude's like this or this girl's yeah. like this. You, you know, so that yeah. I would think, for, at least for me, I'd be afraid to go and expose myself <laughs> to that because the, we all have moments of weakness. Yeah. You, you know, know, it's interesting that you say that because I see myself in them. Like, I... I, f- I see my, that's who I was. Right. 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 And so if I can help from an arm's length and, and, and just, there's one thing that we do a lot of at the other side academy and that is brutal honesty. Yeah. If I see that somebody's on meth and I'll pull them aside, I'm not going to spend time with them, but I'll say, look, dude, um, that shit will destroy you. If you ever need help, I care about you, man. I, I was you. Right. If you, if, if you, you know, need some help to get off that shit, come talk to me. And, and, just, and then you keep it moving. Yeah. Because yeah. they have to want to help, which That's is right. something like you said earlier. Said. That's right. That's nuts, man. I, you know, I, do you, do you have a dream about your former life? Do yeah. you ever have dreams about that? Like oh, yeah. sleeping dreams where you wake up and you're like, oh, fuck. Like you, you're checking your, 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 your fucking nightstand to see if there's crack or coke or whatever on there. Mm. You know, do you have those dreams? Yeah. Those 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 dreams are wild 
um, you can you can have those dreams and be completely high in your dream and wake up and almost feel that drug. They're few and far between, but yeah. I, I, wow. I have them, yeah. That's got to be hard, though, to, to have that dream and the feeling, which is, I mean, let's be honest, you liked it. I mean, anybody mm-hmm. would like it, right? Yeah. Because that's why there's so many addicts. Mm-hmm. And then you wake up and it's not that. What do you do? Do you, do you pray for that? Do you go to counseling? Do you go to a mentor, a sponsor, or any, anything like so, that? So, I mean, I, I have my people that I, I talk with. But sure. I'm, I'm the, the farther removed I get, when I wake up from those dreams now, as good as it felt there in the moment, I wake up relieved. Relieved that it's not the reality. Whoa. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm not stuck in that. Because as good as that high feels, coming off that shit and the chase, and like that is, it's just a miserable lifestyle. The chase. Oh, you you said that perfect, man. It's just miserable. Mm-hmm. And... And then the next thought that goes through my mind is, oh, fuck, dude. If that was real, I'd have to worry about passing this drug test. From I still got a federal probation officer, you know, and just all that that goes with it, man. It's just miserable. Fucking mm. so, federal, yo. God yeah. damn. So what are you doing with yourself now? So I work at, um, at Lexus. Okay. As a salesman. Um and I, I, enjoy, I really enjoy it because like barbering, I get to work with people and, and, and socialize and, but I just work a lot right now. I'm, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not gonna, um, yeah, I, I, uh, I have hobbies that I enjoy and, and, um, with my brother and my sister and, and the, all the outdoor activity that, that we did so much of that I can't do right now. Um, okay. and that's okay. I'm, I'm rebuilding my life and yeah. this first year as a salesman, I, I just, I feel like I am always at work, and, and that's okay. And then I come home, and and then in the in the the time that I am at home, you know, I have a hundred students that are mm. fixing their life and and going through it, and and uh, you know, like the emotional state that some of those people are in. You know, they're in the trenches right now, pushing through. You know, facing emotions that they haven't faced for a long time because they've been using, and and so to plug in with them. Um, you know, I try to do as much of that as I possibly can, and that's kind of my life right now. Pretty you simple. Don't, you don't seem like a why me type person. Like you faced from what you're sitting here telling us, you blame no one. Um, you you face it all. It's all on your old accord. You never sit here and say, you know, if this hadn't happened, or if this didn't happen here, mm-hmm. or that girl, or this guy. It's just you, and which is a, a step eons beyond people. Because mm-hmm. in life, I've met people who are you know, addicted to things, and they always want to put it on somebody else. Mm-hmm. I only did this because it is, so I only did this because of that, or this person, or that person, or mm-hmm. this happened. Even you breaking your back, you, you weren't like, oh, and then the doctors did this. No, I was shopping. And once they got smart, I went to another one. Mm-hmm. This was all me. And that's so far ahead of the game. And your, your mm-hmm. aptitude in terms of dealing with that is, is just so far and beyond anything I've ever seen. And to sit here and talk with us about this, man. I, ho- I hope you weren't uncomfortable. I hope we didn't make you uncomfortable. You no. know, I mean, it's an amazing story yeah. for you to turn it around and come in here in your silk fucking shirt, <laughs> fucking two hundred dollar jeans, your fucking four hundred dollar shoes. You gonna show off and shit, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> Me and my. Uh, hey, how'd you know my jeans were that expensive? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I know that brand. <laughs> yeah, my three dollar tank top over here. Uh, we did have some people just to let you know uh, that uh, watched us live, and it also throughout just said uh, they appreciate the transparency. Uh, knowing that it's probably not easy to share your story, but uh, very uh, much appreciated by our listeners. Hmm. So, so thank you for sharing your journey. Um, another one just comes in. Love to hear the stories. Beautiful souls choosing to live and help others. So, hmm. so uh, very, very grateful our listeners are. For I would your like story. you, thank you right now to talk to twenty-three-year-old you before you even got on this. What, what would you tell 
that person. You you said you weren't happy in your marriage, so mm-hmm. you, we don't know until it happens. Wouldn't I both are? Um, I don't want to say victims. I'd like to say uh, survivors of divorce. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so so we, we fucked up and married the wrong person at one point in our lives, too. So, I, I mean, you said you weren't happy, so apparently you married the wrong person. But what would you say to 23-year-old you before you made that decision at 25? So look, so 24-year-old you, what would you say? Um, in regards to marriage? In regards <laughs> to just life in general. Um, that I'm not different. Um, you know, you, I need to face life on life's terms and never take the easy way out. Um, you know, trying to, trying to get that, that quick fix, that, that easy come up, um, is, um, it's addictive and just that right there, that I'm not different. I can't take the easy way out and win. I'm just like everybody else. That's big news, man. And a lot of young cats think that. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I remember my uncle telling me one time, he says, you know, Keith, why do I have to run into that brick wall and you see me ble- bleeding and I, I couldn't get through the brick wall and it, it kicked my ass and I'm scarred up. And then you run into the same brick wall. Go around the fucking wall like I told you. <laughs> but yeah. kind of like you, not to the degree, I still ran into the brick wall because I'm a dumbass. Yeah, yeah, that's what we do. What, with that, is that what you're saying? That is what I'm saying. Nate, is that what you're saying? That's what I'm saying. And with that, guys, um, you know our sponsors are there in the links. Uh, click them below. Uh, thank you to everyone that watched live. Um, thank you for the kind words. Uh, Nate truly is um, amazing for coming on and doing this for Absolutely. us. Absolutely. Very, uh, very humbling to listen to him. Um, so we appreciate him. And with that, uh, Keith and Nate, I got to tell you, too, it was a pleasure. We out.